1: Pack-A-Day Podcast. What is up, cheeseheads? Welcome to the Saturday edition of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I am your host today, Paul Brettel, and as Jason Derulo said, I am riding solo. Jason Perone and Matt Fralick are unable to join me today, so I will be rolling through the Packers injury port as well as the Seattle injury port here with you today. But before we dive into that, it's Saturday. You know we got to briefly discuss a little weather. I did have Rob Warnickin from Adelaide, Australia, uh, reach out to me via Twitter. Said it's 26 degrees Celsius there currently, 79 degrees Fahrenheit. So beautiful. And he also adds that he is looking forward to the Packers keeping Russell Wilson winless at Lambeau Field. Now I had known that Green Bay has obviously had a lot of su- a lot of success recently against the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson at Lambeau. I didn't realize that I think it's nine straight or 10 straight games that they've won against Seattle dating back to 2009. So hopefully they can add another one to that win column on Sunday where here in green Bay winner is it's, it's upon us just about, you know, it's been a mild fall here, but Friday things have started to turn. And for Sunday's game, the high is going to be in the upper thirties. There is a chance of snow in the morning. Now it doesn't look like it's going to be there for game time. Doesn't look like it's even going to accumulate, so you might not even see it on the television. But there is the potential for snow in the morning. So highs in the 30s, snow potential, Green Bay Packers football is here. So let's dive into the injury report. And we're going to start with the big one, Aaron Rodgers. He, of course, is not on the injury report at this time because he is still on the COVID reserve list. But expectations are that he is going to be activated off of that on Saturday. That is the first day that he is able to to come back to the team. So that's what expectations are. Matt LaFleur has already said that if Rogers is good to go, he's going to play. And he sounds optimistic that he is going to be available. Devontae Adams has said the same. Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show said uh, similar sentiments. And even Jordan Love in Friday's press conference would mention that he expects Aaron Rodgers to play on Sunday. So, of course, I expect Aaron Rodgers to play on Sunday as well. However, I do want to just mention briefly Dr. McKenzie, the Green Bay Packers medical staff. We know they are very, very conservative. And for Rodgers to be activated, he doesn't have to test negative for COVID. He just doesn't have to have any symptoms, but he also has to go through some testing. So I know they do some conditioning, check his heart, things of that nature. Um, so everything needs to check out in that regard. It's not as simple as, you know, Saturday is the deadline. He can come back. He does need to pass some medical tests, but everyone sounds optimistic that he will be out there. So Under the assumption that he's going to be out there, one thing in particular that I'm going to have my eyes on is, are we going to see the Seattle Seahawks try to blitz Rodgers maybe more than what we have seen so far this season? reason I bring that up, last week's game with Jordan Love, we saw the Kansas City Chiefs blitz the heck out of him, sending more pass rushers than there were blockers, and they found a ton of success in doing so. Green Bay got away from the quick passing game, the offensive line was not able to handle it. So I'm wondering if we see that more from teams moving forward. We saw week one, Packers get blown out by New Orleans. New Orleans ran that cover two shell. Green Bay struggled to move the ball through the air. After that game, they've seen a lot of cover two since then. It's a copycat league. Teams watch the film. Teams see what works against an opponent, and teams are going to replicate that. So I'm wondering if teams are going to try to blitz Aaron Rodgers and this Packers offense more. Now, of course not going to be anywhere near the extent that Jordan Love was because Aaron Rodgers really has the ability to hurt you with that deep shot if you blitz him too many times and if you don't get home quick enough. But my expectation is that we are going to see more of it. For one, Rodgers has actually been one of the in a number of statistical categories, one of the worst quarterbacks under pressure this season. Completion percentage, yards per attempt, quarterback rating, like I said, a number of categories. So he has not been that same, you know, Aaron Rodgers that we've seen in your year past years past, where he's able to conquer the blitz, the blitz. Also, this Green Bay Packers offensive line, they really struggled with it. You know, it wasn't just a young quarterback in Jordan Love having trouble diagnosing and you know handling the pressure. The Green Bay Packers offensive line, they didn't do him many favors either. There were times where you'd see two Packers blockers on one Chiefs pass rusher, another one's running free. There's another instance that I can think of where one of the Green Bay Packers' offensive linemen, he was standing there not blocking anyone because of the stunts, the number of players coming. There was mass confusion, and the Chiefs were able to get after Jordan Love. So I expect to see a little bit more of that, especially with this Seattle secondary. If Aaron Rodgers has time in the pocket, he absolutely should tear this unit apart. They're giving up, I believe, over 270 passing yards per game. That ranks 30th or 31st this season, so... Like most games, it's going to come down to play in the trenches, but Green Bay, if they can give Rodgers time, he should be able to pick the secondary, the Seattle defense apart. But I would expect Seattle to try to get after the quarterback one because sending rushers last week against this offensive line worked. Rodgers has struggled and they need to help their, their uh, secondary out by getting that pressure. So something to keep our eyes on in that, in that degree. And of course, in addition to protecting Rodgers we want to see Green Bay establish and stick to the run you know especially if you don't watch the Green Bay Packers it's easy to look and see Aaron Rodgers Devontae Adams and think of this passing attack which absolutely we, we know how dangerous that can be but we also know how good this Green Bay Packers offense is or they're at their best when they're running through Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon and they're finding success on the ground for whatever reason Matt LaFleur tends to get away from that at times, so again, it's going to be important, as it is every week, that Green Bay establish and stick to the run game. Even with musical chairs along this offensive line that we've seen this season, the run game, they've had their moments, but I wouldn't categorize it as dominant by any means, but they've certainly, certainly been effective enough that this Green Bay Packers offense can lean on them, so hopefully we see that as well. Next up, we are to David Bakhtiari. So, Wednesday, David Bakhtiari was activated off the pup list, the physically unable to perform list. That was just a formality. He came to back to practice three weeks ago. The deadline to be activated is that three-week window. So, team has the opportunity to activate him within those three weeks. Once activated, he goes on the 53-man roster. Had that deadline passed, Bakhtiari would have had to go to on-season-ending IR. So, like I said, it was a formality. We knew he was coming back. We know his season is not over. However, As Matt Lafleur told us on Monday, even before he was activated, just because he's back on the roster does not mean that we are going to see him play on Sunday. Matt Lafleur was very clear about that early on this week. They want him, and understandably so, to be 100% ready. And apparently, Bakhtiari is not at that point yet. He is listed as doubtful for Sunday's game, and when Thursday's injury report came out, he was a limited participant. It was at that time that I started to expect that he was not going to play at all. You know, and then on Friday as well, he rested on top of that. So Matt Lafleur said it's going to be important that Bakhtiari string together multiple practices in a row. So for these upcoming weeks, as we're looking at the injury reports on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, pay attention to Bakhtiari because I'm not sure that we're going to see him back until we see full participant, full participant, full participant. Understandably, so they want to make sure that he is going to be a hundred percent ready when he makes his return. So with Bakhtiari doubtful and likely out, that means that the offensive line unit for this week is going to stay the same as it was a week ago. Which honestly, a season getting back-to-back weeks with the same unit has been has been a challenge for the Green Bay Packers with the injuries that they've had to deal with. But I wrote an article uh, this past week over at Dairyland Express, you know, talking about how there's going to be a decision to make when Bakhtiari does return, and that decision is what the heck do the Green Bay Packers do with Elton Jenkins? And the answer to that question really has nothing to do with Elton Jenkins. It's more so about Lucas Patrick, John Runyon Jr., and Royce Newman. We know that wherever Elton Jenkins goes, he's going to thrive. He's going to hold his own. That's not the issue. So that's why it comes down to how are those other players going to perform. And really, there's two options. Elton Jenkins can go back to left guard where he's a a pro bowler. That means Lucas Patrick's going to stay at center until Josh Myers returns. And then Green Bay has to decide between John Runyon Jr. and Royce Newman at right guard. Or Elton goes to center. I imagine in that situation, Runyon would stay at left guard. And then Green Bay has to choose between Lucas Patrick and Royce Newman at right guard. So that's not going to, again, Bakhtiari's out this week. That's not something that we have to concern ourselves with. But that is a big decision that's going to have to be made here in the you know coming weeks once he does make his eventual return. Moving along, Dominic Daphne. So he was on IR for a few weeks, made his return recently, but he is listed as doubtful for this game. And this tight end room, it's getting thin. We all know Tunyon's done for the season. Dominic Daphne, doubtful. Looks like he's not going to be able to play this week either. So, beside Agora, he's really going to have to step up. We know that he plays that versatile H-back role, but he's going to need to step up in the passing game as well. And we'll probably see a little bit more big dog in the passing game than maybe what we're used to as well. But the thing with making up the loss of Tunyon at the tight end position, particularly in the passing game, it's going to be a group effort. It's going to be Big Dog. It's going to take the side of Aura. It's going to even take Al Lazard, Equanimius, St. Brown. I mean, those are bigger receivers that can line up in the slot and run routes, similar routes to what Robert Cunyon did for the Green Bay Packers. So it's going to be a collective effort to try to replace that, you know, what he brought to this passing game. But this tight end room, it's it's looking a little thin at the moment. So don't be surprised if we see, a practice squad elevation, perhaps Green Bay brings up Bronson Kafusi. Um, he's uh, actually—they signed him to the practice squad in 2020. He's actually a third-round pick as a defensive end, so he's changing positions. We all know how difficult it is for tight ends in general, even if you've had four years of college play to transition to the NFL level. So he's in a very difficult adjustment period right now. I wouldn't, have, if he's elevated again, just speculating here. But if he's elevated, I wouldn't imagine that we see him. But in the preseason when he was utilized, we saw that it was a as a as a blocker. And then Tyler Davis, Packers took him off. I believe it was the Indianapolis Colts practice squad a month or so ago. He's seen a few snaps here and there, but no Tanya, no Daphne. We could certainly see more of him on the field on Sunday. Now, two big names who either didn't play or left Sunday's game against Kansas City. Kenny Clark, he is listed as questionable. We all know how important Kenny Clark is. He is the most important player on this defense for the Green Bay Packers. When Kenny Clark's rolling, and he has been rolling this season, folks, everyone, everyone on the defensive side of the ball benefits. When he's getting that push, the run game is better. They're generating pressure. That, of course, helps the secondary. When he's getting pushed, he and generating that pressure, occupying blockers, that helps the edge rushers. That helps keep the linebackers clean. Everybody benefits when Kenny Clark is playing well. So, obviously – goes without saying, but hopefully he is a go for this Sunday, just because of what he brings to this entire defensive unit.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: One thing I do want to note is that he has been a limited participant all week. Now, there's been a number of occasions this season so far where if a player doesn't at least have one uh, practice where they're a full participant, Green Bay holds them out. Again, we know medically this is a very conservative organization. Elton Jenkins, he was a prime example of this earlier in the season when he was missing some time. I believe it was before the Cincinnati game. He was a limited participant each of those three days and he did not play. So again, just taking a guess here, or pointing out that just because he was back at practice, it's important to note these designations and note what the Packers have done in the past. Obviously, each player is different, each injury is different, but it's certainly noteworthy and something to keep our eyes on. Another interior defender who is uh, on the injury report, Kingsley Kiki. He is still dealing with that Concussion from the Arizona game, and he is listed as doubtful. So, the interior defensive line group, much like the tight end position, is looking very thin right now. Kingsley Kiki is doubtful. We don't know if Kenny Clark's going to play. And with that, we might see a lot more of TJ Slayton, just as we did on Sunday in Kansas City. And, side note here, what a performance by TJ Slayton. He played 46 snaps. That was the most along the interior defensive line. You know, they've been bringing him along very slowly this season, but they did not have that luxury on Sunday. They put Slayton in there. He was moving bodies, making plays, stuffing the run. Of course, there's areas to work on. Needs to work on staying lower, but it was an impressive performance. And some other good news, Dean Lowry. He was a full participant in practice on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, so he should be a full go uh, this Sunday against Seattle. He was on a pitch count against Kansas City. I think he was only out there for 18 or 20 snaps with a hamstring injury. So it's good that he's going to be at full capacity as well, because they're certainly going to need him with this thin interior defensive line group, especially if Kenny Clark can't go. And again, another shout out, shout out to Dean Lowry. We know that he's, he's someone who is not going to necessarily fill a stat sheet, does the dirty work, occupies space, eats up blockers. His teammates know when he's on the field because of, again, what he adds and taking up space, occupying those defenders, as I mentioned. But in the statue, it doesn't always show up. However, that's past seasons. That is not this season. Really since the San Francisco games, so early on this season, Lowry's been making an impact, getting a very good push. And the last month or so, he's been logging sacks, logging pressures. Dean Lowry is playing very well as of late. Next up, in addition to Kenny Clark being questionable, so is Eric Stokes. However, after being a limited participant on Wednesday and Thursday, He was a full participant on Friday, which shows us that he is trending in the right direction. Of course, a good sign, and the Green Bay Packers are certainly going to need him. This is a very good deep ball team that they're going to be up against with the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks are fourth in explosive plays this year, plays of over 20 yards through the air. Russell Wilson, he is now going to be back. He was activated off of IR, a terrific, terrific deep ball thrower. They have Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. This is a team that can absolutely win downfield. Green Bay is going to need Eric Stokes back, you know, put, put it plain and simple. And they're also going to need good play from the rest of those corners, it goes without saying, as well as the second or the safety position. Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos, and collectively, this whole secondary about Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes missed last Sunday, but they have been very, very good. Razul Douglas, Shannon Sullivan, Kevin King, they have all stepped up as of late. Since week four, Shannon Sullivan has allowed. Just 12 completions on 19 targets at only 6.9 yards per catch, and he has an interception. Against Kansas City, where he spent a lot of time in the slot against Tyreek Hill, he only gave up 37 yards that game. Kevin King, his last two games, Cincinnati and Kansas City, those are two of the best games that he's played in some time. Maybe even going back to probably 2019, we end that five-interception season. He's allowed six receptions on nine targets for only 38 yards during those two games. Razul Douglas, 21 targets since he came to Green Bay, 52% completion percentage. And, of course, that big interception against Arizona. This unit, who would have thought? Coming into the season, one of my biggest concerns was the depth of this cornerback room. We knew what we had in Jair Alexander. There was hope that Eric Stokes would develop and take those steps forward as the season went on. But at the time, you know, this is week one. That's hope. We don't know if that's going to happen. There's the question marks of Kevin King. And Isaac Yadam, you know, Shamar John Charles, question mark, question mark, question mark. But this unit, and they've done it mostly without J.R. Alexander, has impressed. Rasul Douglas was a heck of an addition. King, when he's been healthy these last few games, has been playing well. Tandon Sullivan, just a credit to this, to the secondary and the coaching staff. They've really held together well, despite not having Jair Alexander. And they're going to face a tough test again this week. As I mentioned, the deep ball ability of the Seahawks team is is a dangerous one. Last designation for the Packers, Equinemia St. Brown, he is listed as questionable. For Seattle, Russell Wilson is back in the mix. I already mentioned the big play ability, and it's also going to be important for Green Bay to generate pressure and to contain him in the pocket. The pressure is for the obvious reasons. That's less time for these Packers cornerbacks to have to try to stick with Tyler Lockett, D.K. Metcalf. If, if Russell Wilson has time or if he's able to break, contain, get out of the pocket, we've seen him extend plays. We've seen the trouble that he can cause for defenses by doing so. And we are asking this Packers secondary, even as well as these guys are playing, to cover any receiver for that matter, but especially these guys that Seattle has for four, five, six seconds. That is a tall, tall task and one that the secondary is going to lose far more often than not. And while Wilson can be very tricky to bring down, I do want to point out that Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, the two quarterbacks that Green Bay has gone up against these last two weeks, they have done a very good job of uh, of containing them, keeping them within the pocket so they're not able to extend those plays. So Green Bay's going to need to, the Green Bay defensive front is absolutely going to have to do that once again. In addition to Russell Wilson coming off IR, Dwayne Eskridge, rookie receiver from Western Michigan, he's off IR as well. He only appeared, in one game this season, week one, but from his time at Western Michigan, if you follow the draft process, he's extremely explosive. He's a playmaker, big yak ability. So another another weapon added to this Seattle offense. Other players who are rolled out are linebacker Cody Barton, cornerback Austin Blast. Uh, both have played minimal to no snaps this year. And then also safety Marquise Blair. He's seen 119 snaps this year, a role player. He is listed as out as well. Last big news for Seattle. Chris Carson, their running back. Uh, He's missed the last few games or month or so with, with a neck injury. He's been on IR. He did come back to practice this week. However, he is not expected to play on Sunday. So we know the Seattle Seahawks like to run the ball, try to lean on that run game. So expect to see Alex Collins and a heavy dose of Rashad Penny as well at the running back. So there you have it, folks. That will wrap up our injury review of the Green Bay Packers and the Seattle Seahawks before Sunday's game. As always, we appreciate you guys tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter at Paul underscore brettle. You'll find my work over at Dairyland Express as well as Cheesehead TV. Next week, our crew will be back together. But until then, be sure to enjoy Sunday's game. Enjoy the weekend. And as Jason Perrone says, stay safe and go Pack go.